From the studios of KBRT in Southern California, the flagship affiliate for The Bottom Line Show, I'm Roger Marsh, host of The Bottom Line, joined for our monthly conversation by Greg Harris, the president and CEO of Through the Bible, ttb.org. Greg Harris, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Great to be with you, Roger. Thanks for, for having and, me. And for everyone who's watching on myhopenow.com as well, we get now we have Greg's uh, handsome face right up there as well from his uh, <laughs> very high-tech Sorry studio. Sorry about that. Well, both of us have our high-tech uh, home <laughs> yeah, studio yeah. working today. But that's okay because it's the, the, one of the things I appreciate about these gatherings is that we can have a really huge impact on a lot of different platforms using yeah. relatively basic technology today. Yep. And that is where Through the Bible is as well. Now, in what year are we in? I mean, I, I know where we are cycle-wise in terms of the five-year right. teaching, but what year is the ministry of Through the Bible in? Well, in 1967, so we just completed 55 years. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. And at, earlier in an earlier month, we talked about last month, we talked about uh, that we're in our, our uh, 11th five-year cycle. We're not done yet. We've got a couple more years. And so as we've talked about in the past, in 1967, Dr. McGee did a two-and-a-half-year version of Through the Bible. So the five-year started in 1970, which means uh, – Basically, by about 2025, we will have finished 55 years of the of the broadcast in Incredible. its current form. Amazing. It's, yeah, it really is amazing. And it's, it's such a simple concept. And I, and I spent a lot of time in my later years uh, designated the difference between simple and easy. Because, yes. uh, you know, yes. when you get right down, yep. and you know very well how yep. sometimes things just happen. But the simple, the simplicity of the ministry through the Bible is is really it's really very spot on. And yet I realize that every year, just as we are gaining new listeners, the bottom line show every week Mm -hmm. and every month uh, through the Bible and uh, more people are getting on the Bible bus, I guess is what I was trying to say. And I I think it's it's helpful for people who join in to know, I mean, where you guys are coming from, where your heart is. Yeah, I know I've known you for half my life, it seems, and uh, it's ministry wise. And I know it pretty much by heart. But for those who might be new to the ministry or people yeah. who are you know, new to the bottom line show and haven't heard one of these conversations before, share with us, if you would, Greg, what that philosophy of ministry looks like. Yeah, and I, I want, before we even get into the specifics, I want to say, Roger, that um, I know your heart and I'm grateful for you inviting me to, to have these conversations. Our heart is to help you and encourage you. We're not trying to promote something and and, uh, you know, get get people ex- what we want people to get. Well, I'm sorry. We are promoting the word of God yeah. and we're promoting prayer and we're promoting pure ministry. That's the goal of this. This is not to, to brag and say, look how great we are. Maybe that's the first the first uh, principle that Steve Schwetz, who's the host of, of Through the Bible, who has been for what, 30, 30 plus years and also is the chairman of our board. Yeah. We often say to our listeners, uh, we're just not that smart. OK, <laughs> so so uh, let's start with that. I, and I think, um, you know, when you when you want to get involved in ministry, uh, if it's God's ministry, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about God working through us. But the, our, our initial posture has to be one of, of humility to say we're not that smart. We don't know what we're supposed to do. OK, some of the things I'm about to say, some of your our listeners our listeners, not just yours. We're, we're together in this, right, Roger? Amen. Um, I want you to share the blame. Uh, some of our <laughs> listeners are going to say this. This sounds really contradictory, Greg, or it sounds it sounds like you don't know what you're doing. Mm. Well, in a way, we don't. But but I hope you'll give us a hearing and, and understand. And one of the core things is we have no strategic plan that we have cooked up. 
Okay. What, what we started with was a simple, like you said, a simple principle, which is let's give out the word of God and teach it simply from cover to cover and cover every passage of the Bible. Sometimes people say it's verse by verse. At, at times it's verse by verse and other times it's passage by passage. But yeah. the goal of through the Bible is to get people pointed to the whole word of God. And so in a sense, that's the strategic framework. But one of the things we've learned is that our human agendas can often actually get in the way of what God wants to do. And so if you're like, maybe, uh, maybe we have some pastors listening, church leaders, maybe you lead a small group or you have a ministry. I just want to encourage you that if you start by going to the Lord and saying, Lord, this is your ministry, you show us what to do. And you know what? He'll do that. You know, you know, the reason I have a stack of papers to share, those of you who are seeing, this is my short stack. Like I the said, this, stack, is the, yeah. this is the tip of the iceberg <laughs> that I bring into the studio. And, we, and then we only get to the tip of the tip. Um, the reason we have so much response is because I believe God is directing the ministry and we're not. Yes. And I think we've, those of us that have been around the ministry world long enough have seen lots of great human effort being put out and then we're really disappointed in the results and you know sometimes god calls his servants to do things that maybe don't bear a lot of fruit I, like isaiah read the book mm -hmm. of isaiah god says hey here's your calling you're going to go preach to these people and they're not going to respond but other times when you serve the lord and we find with his word if you focus on his word and we'll talk about that too god uh, brings a lot of fruit mm -hmm. and uh, I the obedience is the most important thing. You know, yeah. I mean, the, the fruitfulness yeah. is, and I love the, the fruitfulness because it doesn't come quantifiable. It says be right. fruitful. And so right. if it's fruitful in God's economy, then mission accomplished. And and I love that that kind of upside down approach to it. You know, we're, we're basically, we're, it's very simple. It's very basic. And we're not trying to do a lot of things that a lot of nonprofit organizations try to do to try to stay afloat. You know, it really right. is a question of saying, first and foremost, job one is whole word to the whole world. And then we just kind of let it spill over from there and see where yes. it goes and follow where God's leading. It's like I had Jerry Jenkins on the program the other day, and we were talking about his writing style. He said he calls himself a pantser, as in see to your pants. And uh, he's, <laughs> he said, you know, a lot of guys, they know what the end of the yeah. story is, yeah. this, that, and the other thing. By the time he gets to the end of the story, if one of the main characters has died or something like that, and people say, why did you kill him off? He said, I didn't kill him. I just found him dead. You know, I mean, that's, I followed the story to its natural conclusion, but that kind of mentality yeah. in ministry, yeah. I think sometimes it can be dangerous, but at the same time for, for yeah. the Bible, it, look at the benefits. Oh my goodness. I mean, the hundreds of language languages, the, the mm -hmm. millions of people whose lives have been impacted, the, the, the money that comes to support it without any sort of organized fundraising. I mean, yeah. if someone were to like in an MBA class, Greg, and I know you have advanced, uh, you know, training in this, uh, were to, to look at the, through the Bible business model, they'd say, right. You guys are nuts. How yes. are you still in business? Yes. I mean, but but here you are. Yes, exactly. And now I, I think it's very important to clarify something, because when I say we have no strategic plan, it doesn't mean we don't plan. Right. Let me. It, it's about the order of the plan and, and where it fits in the process. So in other words, it starts with, Lord, this is your ministry. Our hands are open. We, we are uh, trusting you. We have a basic idea that you've directed us to do, which is to, to get this Bible teaching out there. Um, but then as God opens new doors, um, and one thing I spend a lot of time doing is 
moving around literally the world and uh, building relationships, friendships like like I have with you and and many of the leaders at Crawford uh, Broadcasting. You know, we we always regard yeah. our our uh, our meal at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention is one of our most favorite. That's bad English, but it is one of our most favorite times. We love you. We have we have relationship, and out of those relationships, the Holy Spirit uh, brings ideas, and then the Holy Spirit confirms ideas, and and then once you know, oh, okay, now we know what God wants us to do. That's when all the planning and the executive ability kicks in. So I don't want people to hear that, you know, I just sit in my office and drink coffee and say, oh, I, you know, you know, I'm going <laughs> to, they should pay me for just sitting here and watching God do things. There's an old uh, joke you may have heard about a, a pastor visiting a farmer and he's looking at the beautiful manicured fields and, 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 the, and the pastor's feeling very expansive as he looks at the beauty of creation. And he says to the farmer, uh, boy, isn't God's creation beautiful? And the farmer says, well, yeah, but you should have seen it when he had it all to himself. Um, <laughs> in other words, you know, scripture is clear. We yeah. are expected to uh, plant and sow and have yeah. discipline, but it always flows after God has shown you what to do. Yeah. Greg Harris is the president and CEO of Through the Bible, ttp.org. We're having our monthly check-in with our friends at Through the Bible. It's outstanding ministry, the Bible teaching of Dr. J. Vernon McGee, which continues on now 55 years and still running. And if you have benefited from this ministry, I heartily recommend you reach out to them and let them know how much this ministry has meant to you and also provide support as God leads you. We're going to take a quick break and we'll continue with more of this conversation on the philosophy of ministry at Through the Bible. Fascinating discussion with Greg Harris continues on the other side of this break. The bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Continuing conversation today here on the Bottom Line Show with Greg Harris, the president and CEO of Through the Bible, ttb.org. And Greg, you know, I've made it all the way through. This is now the second recording that we've done in the past couple of months where I haven't referred to TTB as the Through the Bible Radio Network. You've done it well. You've took done me well. a long time, <laughs> a long time to kind of wean by. Because remember, I mean, I, I was the board op at KPRZ in San Diego back in 1993. I remember when Steve started, when Steve yeah. Sweat started. Yep. I, one day, yep. all of a sudden, Steve was there. And I don't remember if the man, the name of the man he replaced. Bob Smith. Bob was, and Bob was, you could tell Bob was getting ready to you know, retire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I heard Steve. And the first thing I thought, I got to pray for this guy because everybody's going to go, wait, what happened to Bob? Oh, you yeah. I mean, I mean, talk about one of the most recognizable voices in radio yeah. and that you have to replace him. Here we are 30 years later and Steve's chairman of the board. So I guess I, I think it worked out well for him. 
It did. Although I honestly, he got hate mail in the beginning. Bob Smith died. That's that's the story. Is uh, Steve Schwetz was about to move uh, to take. He was in uh, sales. He was in medical uh, equipment sales. He was very successful. He was about to take a job up in the San Francisco Bay area. He said he had a for sale sign in his uh, in his yard, and somebody at the Church of the Open Door. Uh, heard his voice and said, you know, our announcer has cancer and we think mm. he's going to be gone soon. And we, we need, will you come in and read? And he read on a Friday and they, on Monday, they said, you're our, you're our new host. Wow. And, and Steve said he, he pulled the for sale sign out of his heart and he decided to stay and commit to the ministry. And, and he has been greatly blessed and he's yeah. blessed many people. Well, we're talking about yeah. philosophy of ministry with yep. uh, Greg Harris, the president of through the Bible and and having a conversation, giving our listeners kind of a behind the scenes look at how this uh, kind of uh, uh, organized spontaneity type of work yes. organization works, if that makes <laughs> any sense. Because uh, yep. let's face it, apps just don't happen. Uh, translations <laughs> don't just happen. So obviously right. somebody has to mow the lawn. Uh, yep. but, but, but as you move forward, I mean, you've been at the helm now for a, a decade or so mm-hmm. um, involved in leadership. How, how have things changed for through the Bible? Has the philosophy changed? Is it just the technology is different? How do you describe it? The philosophy is unchanged. If anything, I think it's even more uh, cemented. Uh, you know, in we have proven in a world, including a global pandemic, we have proven that this method that we just talked about in the last segment. And if you didn't hear it, I encourage you to to go and listen to that segment or check it out on my hope now. Uh, because we're we're trying to talk to you about how do you do ministry? Every one of us as Christians should be involved in ministry. And yes. it all starts with, well, the story we just told about Steve Schwetz. He was willing to to change his career plans because God showed him. He wasn't planning. He had no grand design to be uh, one of the most recognized voices in Christian radio. By the way, he also had a very uh, profitable career in uh, secular voiceover work, which led him into some new business opportunities. And, you know, he's never taken a penny from through the Bible mm. because, mm-hmm. and and God has blessed him. And, and none of that, if Steve were with us today, he would say, I didn't plan any of it. And I'll tell you, Steve Schwetz is one of the smartest people I've ever worked with. And he's, he's a brilliant businessman, but he didn't have a grand plan. So, we talk about that also, and you referred to it in the last segment. We don't do anything that looks like traditional fundraising. And this is a very important. I, to me, the principle biblically, it's a, it's a lot like in 1 Kings 19, I believe it is, when Elijah has the grand showdown with the prophets of Baal. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, pour water, barrels and barrels of water all over the altar. In other words, make it impossible for this to be humanly uh, workable. And, and that is really through the Bible. We do everything wrong, Roger, from a human yeah. standpoint. Or as as my buddy Steve Schwetz likes to say, you put a bunch of smart people in a room, this is not the ministry that you come up with. So what do we have? We have, uh, we have 40-year-old messages that we're airing uh, today and that are still really popular. We have a speaker who's been gone almost uh, more than three decades with the he's with the lord so we have a dead speaker he has a terrible voice for radio right he would never get <laughs> and he would say that dr mcgee you know he would get letters from people that would say i i just listen to you to mock you because you sound like a you know a hick you sound like a hayseed and then they'd listen to what he was saying and they get saved and they you know praise the lord for for his voice um we don't do any fundraising as i said um 
more than half of our budget, if you send a dollar to Through the Bible, more than 50 cents will be invested in our global ministry. None of these things are models that, that should work, but God has so designed Through the Bible that he gets the glory. And that's why the first thing I said when we talked about our posture before God is we're just not that smart. Okay. And let me just challenge people. If you think you're really smart, there was a young, when I was younger, I thought I was pretty smart, Roger, but the older I get, the dumber I feel. Do you, do you, do you experience that? I, I, I find that the wisdom comes in different ways. That's yes. the way I yeah. like to describe yeah. it. You, because the older we get, the more we realize how much we didn't know before when we thought we knew yes. it all. But then you get a chance to also at the same time, see God working. And mm. uh, we've seen it with this radio program. We've seen it with your radio program, with Crawford Broadcasting and with the, uh, uh, the ministry of Dr. J. Vernon McGee and have these monthly conversations here on the Bottom Line Show featuring Greg Harris, the president and CEO of Through the Bible and ttb.org are just kind of a testament to where sometimes Greg and I just sit here and go, wow. I mean, it's, yeah, wow. When you, last month when you mentioned you were over 200 languages now, I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I remember when it was 120, remember it was 130. But yeah. Yeah, as it's been growing and as our conversations have been happening. So there, there's this kind of, organized chaos you know that, mm -hmm. that that runs rampant here and yet the strategic partnerships that you have as well i mean there, there's lots of different ways your philosophy of ministry leads you to be more effective and more fruitful talk about some of the more unorthodox ways that people might not expect through the bible to have relationship with yeah yeah it's uh, you i like that organized chaos it's also uh ministry by wandering around and and what we mean by that of course you know jesus the uh, the, the Greek word often is peripateo, which just means to walk around. You know, Jesus walked around, and that, again, does not in any way disrespect our Lord. It, it, you, it, you move around and you build relationships, and God, and God works in the context of relationships. That's another key value of Through the Bible. We put a lot of premium on our relationships like mm. like you and me this is not just a transactional relationship we develop friendship we talk together we share we care about each other uh you even invited me to your wedding and i, yes. I unfortunately i couldn't make it but i was you so had some sad. family thing you know yeah you i know be, you, you it, yeah it was just to be with that. my whole family for the last time before my parents passed away okay, that's how well, important though it was well, for me I was going to say, well, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that excuse, no, that I <laughs> totally right. understand. And I'm glad you and Lisa got to meet anyway before yes. the wedding. And that, that was, but that's part of the issue. I mean, we, yeah. we have fellowship together. I, I, people, right. don't, people don't realize, I mean, that, that when we do have these, these dialogues, I mean, I, I, they would like to think, you know, I hope they're all getting along, but Greg yeah. and I really are friends first with brothers in Christ. And then, you know, we have these organizations that we work with and then God blesses them immensely. And it's usually Greg coming in with a heavy load of, look at all the great things God is doing. And I just sit here and go, wow, you know, and get my <laughs> pom-poms out. But, but I think, I, but I, it, it is, it's an interesting philosophy of ministry, but it's very rewarding, isn't it? Very satisfying. It's, it's, it's very freeing. And that's the, if there's one thing I, I would say to everyone who's hearing our voices, um, you know, Jesus said, the truth will set you free. It, and Galatians, Paul wrote, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. We've been set free roger we are free to serve and no I, I look i have tough days but don't get me wrong it it you know leading a multi-million dollar transnational organization 
with a lot of people, a lot of relationships, things are not always perfect, but there is a freedom to realizing it's not my ministry. Right. You know, I had, I used to go to a church where the pastor had, he would keep his notes in one of those three ring binders that we used to have in school. And <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget the impression it made on me. I walked past the podium after a service and it in big letters, it said on the front, it's not your church. Mm. Okay. And Love I think it. all of us who are ministry leaders need to remember this is not ours. We are stewards and we have the freedom to say, okay, Lord, I will, I will obey you. I will be faithful to you. And you're responsible to provide the, the resources and the opportunities and the ideas and, and the results on the back end. I love that. That's a powerful story. And uh, we, we were very mindful of the fact that the ministry through the Bible continues to thrive and to bear much fruit because of the fact that everyone understands that corporately. It's not their ministry, it's God's ministry. Greg Harris, the president and CEO through the Bible with me today here on the bottom line for our monthly check-in, ttb.org. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, some final thoughts to share about what's happening in the ministry of through the Bible. That's my conversation with Greg Harris continues in just a moment. Welcome back to the special edition of The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, our monthly check-in with Greg Harris, the president and CEO through the Bible. TTB.org is where you find them online. Greg, I know that I have been a part of the World Prayer Team uh, for years now, and I love the updates. Yep. It's so encouraging to see. It's so easy to be a part of that. Prayer plays a huge role in the ministry of Through the Bible, doesn't it? It does. And if somebody said, you know, what is the secret of Through the Bible? I'd say it's just a couple of words. It's the word of God, the whole word. It's uh, the, the whole world. It's a mission th that I believe is close to God's heart. And it is all rooted in prayer. That's why we don't have to do fundraising. I, I had a story that I was at another ministry. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not pouring contempt or condemnation on ministries that do fundraising and send appeal letters. I'm just saying it's a challenge to this story will tell, tell what I'm trying to say. I was working at another ministry and our director of development got a call from uh, one of our supporters. And she said, you just, you ask a lot for money. And I was wrestling with this. Uh, so this is not something that I'm perfect at. And my director of development said, well, we have to ask. And the woman said, ask who? And <laughs> Roger, that just cut me to the core because mm -hmm. I realized you know, we, what we need is we ask people to pray and ask God to send the resources and, and he does. And I love, it. it's very simple. I mean, if we talked about that, that's kind of the, yep. the ministry mantra of through the Bible is uh, God's most effective ministry is very simple and uh, usually yes. very easy to understand. It's just a question of us uh, actually putting feet to the, uh, to the, well, putting legs to the faith yeah. as it were and making or, all that happen. Speaking of prayer, Greg, we got about a minute left. Would you close yep. us in prayer this time? Yes. Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you that we get this time to talk together, Roger and I, and with all of the friends that are listening to us, that we get to talk about things that are things that are yours, not ours. We are your servants. We are your children. You have brought us into your family. You brought us into the family business, so to speak, and you've brought us into the vineyard. And I pray for everyone hearing our voices, that they would get a, a fresh vision of, of what a joy it is to serve you and how much freedom there is. And, and, and just to release the worry and the stress that often goes with particularly leadership of ministry. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would set us free to be good witnesses for you and to bring glory to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Greg Harris, the president and CEO through the Bible, ttb.org or 865 by if you want to reach out 
using the telephone. See all these different modes of uh, connection point that we have here. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast at Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or TuneIn or uh, thebottomlineshow.com, if you're watching us on My Hope Now, please drop us a note and uh, give us a big rating, but also take a look through the Bible half offer. Greg, always a pleasure to spend time with you. Until next month, thanks for being with us here on The Bottom Line. Thank you, Roger. Always appreciate these times with Greg Harris, the president and CEO through the Bible, ttb.org. And of course, here at Crawford Broadcasting, we are absolutely thrilled to be able to play even just a small part uh, in the uh, ministry of Through the Bible, which is heard on every Crawford station all across the country. And uh, these conversations that you uh, hear with Greg and me every weekday, um, or every month, I should say, during our weekday program, also fall in that category as well, where we have the opportunity to uh, uh, to just kind of find out what's going on. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. So many people are always so amazed at how much behind the scenes. This is one of the most technologically advanced, if not the most technologically advanced ministry in American broadcasting. And oftentimes, if you think, well, it's Dr. McGee in the old school, you can almost see the reel-to-reel tapes spinning around, right, doing their thing. Um, And don't they mail out audio cassettes of these ministry programs? Man, I'll tell you, it is well worth the effort. If you would like to make a donation and support it through the Bible, this is something else they don't do. They never ask for money. And yet they've seen their ministry grow exponentially. I want to give you the phone number for Through the Bible. It's 800-65-BIBLE. If you would like to make a donation, I highly recommend you do. Dennis Wilson highly recommends you do. Just about everybody who listens to the program says, this is a ministry that is worth supporting, either with a one-time gift or a monthly gift. 865-BIBLE, that's 1-800-652-4253. You could, there are better investments to make somewhere, I think, but um, I haven't seen them recently. 865 Bible support through the Bible with a ministry donation today. As we continue, this has been a very interesting time the pandemic has for people who are either in churches, were in churches that fell apart, or churches that are starting up again. And what if I told you that there's a pretty surefire method as to how to effectively plant a church, and it doesn't, boy, if you've seen that story of Hillsong, the thing on Hulu, whoo, how not to start a church there, but... Uh, Dr. Dan Alger is going to join me on the other side of this break, and we're going to talk about the ancient traditions for modern church planning. They involve two key components that oftentimes churches churches think, I need a marketing budget, I need a charismatic preacher. But what if those two were wrong? We'll talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Don't believe your insurance company is looking out for you. They're not. They want you to call them after you're in an accident, but you shouldn't handle that alone. That's where Stephanie Cover of Cover Law shines. With 20 years of insurance industry experience, she knows all the angles and will fight for your rights. Insurance companies pretend to be your partner, but in reality, their primary goal is to pay you as little as possible. When you work with Cover Law, Stephanie becomes your negotiator, and the insurance companies must talk to her, not you. You need to rest and heal. Stephanie is different from other attorneys. She's fully invested in your legal, medical, financial, emotional, and spiritual needs. After an accident, you don't want to deal with insurance adjusters who want to minimize your payout. So don't wait. Contact Cape Wright's personal injury attorney today at capewrightradio.com slash coverlaw. You won't pay a dime to talk to someone who truly cares about your healing. 
Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to get into a conversation about the increase of the number of churches that are being planted at the same time a lot of churches are kind of falling away. Great article in the Christian Post last week uh, talking about post-pandemic, more people are actually coming back to church. That's good news. I'm seeing a lot of churches like our Skyline here in San Diego that's uh, that's 10 for 10 for 10 plan to plant 10 new churches over the next 10 years. But the question is, planting a church is great, but how do you plant one that's actually going to take root and hold sway, as it were? Joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show is Dr. Dan Alger, who has been in church planting ministry for over 20 years. He currently serves as the canon for church planting for the Anglican Church in North America. He's also adjunct professor, speaker, trainer, and coach. Uh, Dan is the dean of the Cathedral at the Church of the Redeemer in Greensboro, North Carolina, and he's the author of a brand new book that has the simple title, Word and Sacrament, Ancient Traditions for Modern Church Planting. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Dan Alger, welcome to The Bottom Line Show today. Thank you so much, Roger. Really great to be here. You know, in the past, I think there was a point uh, probably 40 years ago where churches in my area in Saddleback Valley, California, were growing like crazy. I, I was telling you before we started our conversation on air today that uh, uh, when my oldest daughter was four, she's now 35, uh, what, but we were part of a, a Lutheran congregation because it was had a preschool and it was close to home and it was less expensive than the preschool up the street. I mean, it was just, but churches were <laughs> popping up everywhere and they were all growing. And now 30, 40 years later, many of those same churches are kind of dying off. Uh, why is it that a church that gets planted and that looks to have a thriving community can kind of run its course in 10 or 15 years? Yeah, I, well, I think I think sometimes we mistake the idea of gathering a crowd for planting a church. Um, Ooh, and okay. now that's not the only reason. There's many reasons that church plants can uh, can uh, can sort of run their course. And uh, that, that would be a whole other show just in itself, I think. But right. um but but one of the one of the foundational mistakes I think that that uh, that church planters can make is to be infatuated with the idea of starting something new and and then and immediately feeling the time crunch because of money and uh, and needing to get a paycheck and wanting to see the thing grow that uh, that we become infatuated with the process of planting rather than what we're planting um, and, uh, and the quality and the identity of what we are planting as well. And so I think sometimes we, we tend to gather a, a crowd around a charismatic leader or even a, even a powerful vision, um, but, but, but we don't focus enough on the, the historic identity of the church what is the church itself? What is our ecclesiology um, that has lasted for two thousand years? Uh, and uh, and so if we are if we're gathering crowds in a modern setting at the neglect of the uh, the truth of of the identity of the church, they those churches can kind of pass away. And when they are under pressure or under stress, or when the fads that they used in order to, to be planted change, uh, and if they don't change fast enough with the culture, then then they can lose that traction. And so, m- my heart is is helping church planters to explore more deeply not just not just how do we plant, which is an important question, but 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 what ancient, deep, true, pure, lasting thing are we planting when we're planting a church? 
Dr. Dan Alger is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The brand new book is called Word and Sacrament, Ancient Traditions for Modern Church Planting. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We kind of touched on a little bit the why uh, church plants are uh, basically biblical. I mean, and the idea that there are a lot of people who will kind of plant for the wrong reasons. I got a big church and we've got too many people worshiping here. So let's go to a different city and do a spinoff, you know, kind of do the the franchise, if you will, which isn't really a church plant. But then the the larger question, you mentioned uh, the ecclesiology of, of planting a church, and, and there's a missiology behind that, too, that you write about in this book, Word and Sacrament. L- can we talk just a little bit about the reasons why a church should be planted other than the Anglican church doesn't have a church in Tustin, but they've got one in Irvine? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that's mm-hmm. kind of how our, our corporate brain thinks, but you know, God's economy is a lot different, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, absolutely. And what, what we see is, uh, I think the first reason that, that we should plant churches is because it's it's a biblical mandate. And some people, uh, particularly kind of during the, the uh, aggressive discipleship movements of, of the 90s uh, and into the early 2000s, would, would say things like, um, the Scripture doesn't command us to plant churches. It commands us to make disciples. Uh, mm-hmm. I, would, I would significantly push back on that idea, because when you see Jesus commanding us in places like the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations— when you see, when you track the story of the apostles as they fulfill that commission, what we see in the book of Acts is how did they go about making disciples? Well, they planted churches everywhere that they went. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and so we see throughout the book of Acts, church upon church being planted, and then the rest of the New Testament are, are letters to those churches or to the leaders of those churches. And even Revelation begins with letters to seven churches that— Sometimes we um, we we lose track of the nature of the importance of the church in God's in God's redemptive plan, and just get focused on on the mission rather than on the people who are going to be about uh, going to go about doing that mission, which is the people right. of God, the church. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about the title of the book is Word and Sacrament. I know a lot of our listeners are familiar with that uh, with that expression, but you're talking about planting churches using that as kind of the basis, if you will. Mm. Can you give us a 60 second overview of what that looks like? Yeah. Well, the the authority of the scripture as Christians should be the foundation upon which we build everything. And so to look at at what we're planting, why why we are planting, how we plant, the, the scripture should be our primary foundation. Um, but the history of the church has shown us that we have the word the word written um, in the scripture, and then the reformers called the sacraments the word visible. And so they they have no power without the fact that they are that they are connected with the word of god through the spirit of god but what what a sacramental lens does is it connects the idea of of our faith with the physical if traditionally mm-hmm. the sacraments are defined as outward and visible signs of an inward and spiritual grace Right. It it connects it connects matter it connects the 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 workings of the world the redemption of all things the uh, our our physical bodies our practice in society all of those sort of things it creates the 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 intersection between the physical parts of us with the spiritual parts of us that both of those things matter and in church planting that's what we're doing we we are when we plant a church we are. We are planting an outpost of the kingdom, and the kingdom is 
inward and spiritual. Um, it's yes, it's an outward reality, but it's not something that we can see the castle and walls of a kingdom. Right. Um, right. But when we plant a church, it be, it, the kingdom becomes manifest. It becomes physical and something that the people can see. And so, even in the church body itself. We we see the gospel of people being saved and people serving and people being reconciled and people having hope. And so a sacramental lens brings our the spiritual aspects of our faith into the flesh, into our mission field. You know, you just mentioned the reconciliation part of our faith, which, of course, is everything, you know, right, in terms of being reconciled mm-hmm. to God, but then mm-hmm. also being reconciled with each other and, you know, offering forgiveness and mercy and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Do you get the sense that the American church, and, I, and I'm, this is just coming to me here, so I'm, I uh, go with a little improv off the page. Do you get the sense, Dan Elger, that the American church many times is built on, I can think of a half dozen churches right now, that started because the senior pastor had a split with the associate pastor, and they went and blew mm-hmm. up that church mm-hmm. and started another one, and you've got a lot of people mm-hmm. who still smell like smoke and cinder and ash because of what they, they got out of right. a burning building as opposed to being intentional. Talk about the difference between that type of thing, because that, I for lack of a better, it seems like the last 20 years, that's kind of been the driving force of a lot of church planting. Yeah, I I think it's so important that we don't plant churches based on what we're against, but rather by what we are for. As Paul said, Mm -hmm. we're we're compelled by love. Um, We are. We don't plant churches because we're against Satan. We are. um, but, um, but But what compels us is not our hatred of something or our anger at another denomination or another pastor or another church. We need to plant by what we're for, and what we're for is Jesus. We're we're for His redemptive work in the world. We're we're for the beauty of His bride. Um, we are we are for the flourishing of mankind through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're for those things, and uh, and uh, w- one of the things that I like to say about church planting through a a lens of the Word and sacrament and through the ancient traditions of the church is that oftentimes church planting today is seen as a modern and entrepreneurial endeavor. Mm-hmm, but I right. think that we need to approach church planting primarily as an act of submission. Submission mm-hmm. first, submission to Christ, submission to the Scripture, submission to His mission, submission to um, to what the church has always been. Um, and then Bring bring our entrepreneurial gifts and uh, and the and the contextual uh, contextualization that uh, that churches need to be able to do. But we we bring those things about under submission to something that's greater than us. So we don't plant churches in our own image, but rather mm-hmm. one that is in submission to God's view of the church. And so I just think that's two very different ways of approaching planting. Whether it's I'm going to be angry and that's going to motivate me to start something new. Uh, versus I'm going to be in submission to what God has been doing and want to participate with Him and yield and lend my gifts to what He is doing. And, and that, that's a much healthier and longer-lasting way to go about starting churches. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it, and it feels that way, too. Uh, Dr. Dan Alger, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Word and Sacrament, Ancient Traditions for Modern Church Planting, taking a look at the Anglican way of discipleship and missional liturgy. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about, okay, we've talked about the reasons why. Now let's get into the how do we go about doing that. We'll take a look at that on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. 
One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com, hit the Preborn banner right now. Dr. Dan Alger is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Dr. Alger has been in the church planting ministry for a couple of decades now, currently serves as the canon for church planting for the Anglican Church in North America, and is the author of a brand new book called Word and Sacrament, Ancient Traditions for a Modern Church Planting. Uh, It's got a link up at thebottomlineshow.com. And and Dan, I can honestly say with tongue planted firmly in cheek, this is the least sexy book title I've come across this year. Uh, there's just nothing there, there. There's nothing scintillating about it. It just it's it's straightforward. But but I appreciate that, you know, because we, we, I, I get bombarded. We should see the bookshelves here at the bottom line studios with people mm-hmm. who are trying to find that new hip marketing type of thing. And you just lay it mm-hmm. right out in terms of, OK, this is about word and sacrament and how these ancient traditions, which is the reason why a lot of people are going back more to liturgical worship. They're going to uh, Greek Orthodox and Catholicism and English can church expressions to to do so um talk about what this means because you have a chapter in the book that i love this this title um where you talk about um, uh, missional liturgy um, I, having been part of a lutheran church for half my life there's I, liturgical worship is wonderful and familiar and i think life-giving to to people in a church congregation but it also can become a little boring a little stale a little like well once you come here and learn the handshakes and know all the codes and when to stand and when to mm-hmm. sit it can become very rote. Talk about what missional liturgy looks like. Yeah, I think I think liturgy becomes becomes rote when it is it is separated from the life giving truth of the gospel because the because liturgy is uh, the, the words of the liturgy and the structure of the liturgy um, are are particularly in the Anglican tradition. I can speak from that as, as the one that I have most experience with, but um, are direct quotes from the scripture or are uh, or are um, teachings based on the scripture or paraphrases of scripture. So really what liturgy, the ancient practice of liturgy, is using God's word that he has given us to speak back to him, um, to uh, to describe him in the words that he has given us, and to do so then communally with one another as well. So we're all not having an individual worship experience next to each other. We are, we are corporately involved as the people of God, speaking God's word back to himself. And in the process, we are, we're learning uh, the scripture. We're learning the truth of God. We're learning how to pray. We're being, we're being formed. That worship is not just expressive. It's 
formational. And the liturgy then forms us uh, in, uh, to, be, uh, to be knowledgeable disciples and orthodox disciples and challenges us in our lifestyle as being a, uh, of, of being a Christian as well. And so, so the liturgy, if, if it's done just for liturgy's sake, is, is boring. When it's devoid mm-hmm. of of passionate preaching, when it's devoid of the the spirit of God, when it's devoid of uh, of people experiencing new life through Jesus Christ through it, it's boring. But when it when it is experienced properly and engaged in properly, it shows that. Jesus doesn't need to be dressed up. We don't need spectacle um, to try to attract people to Jesus. We need the substance uh, of what Jesus is bringing, the beauty of who Jesus is, the, the, the nature of who he is that is, that is attractive by, uh, in its very nature, of the person and work of Christ. And we can make him central rather than the slick marketing things that we want to try to dress him up in. Uh, but let's have more substance of the gospel and believe that that in itself uh, has uh, has missional intention and missional um, uh, fruitfulness in in the words of the gospel and the person of Christ, and that's that's really what the liturgy is meant to deliver when participated in properly and taught well by by the leaders of the church. I'm talking with Dr. Dan Alger today here on the Bottom Line. His brand new book, Word and Sacrament: Ancient Traditions for Modern Church Planting, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dan, the, I guess the question now is how do we do this? And and maybe a, a more important question, you you touched upon this a little earlier, and I want to circle back around to it. Oftentimes when it comes to uh, to church planting, you know, we dig into our bag of marketing tricks and say, well, first we need a charismatic, dynamic pastor. Then we need a half dozen people with deep pockets. Then we mm-hmm. need a really cool mm-hmm. strategic location and a great marketing name, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And you're kind of saying, well, uh, not exactly. Uh, so so give us kind of an overview. Right. Who should be planning? What kind of order? You know, And what are some of the mistakes that church planters make that your suggestions here in this book, Word and Sacrament, can help them avoid? Yeah, well, in our in our church planter training, we take five days of about ten hour intensive days to answer all of that. But uh, mm. but I'll, I can I can scratch the surface a little bit sure. of, in sure. saying that um, that uh, when what what we like to say is we have a tendency as church planters sometimes to because of that creative innovative side we we spoke of earlier and the boldness that a lot of church planters have as well. I mean, even consider this work takes guts to step out and risk um, not having a paycheck and and uh, and risk yourself and your family and uh, to be able to do this work that is that is very well risky uh, in itself so so that that personality that it takes to be willing to engage in the work of church planting sometimes makes us sort of pull out a whiteboard and markers gather a small group of folks and go okay we have the opportunity right now to make church anything we want it to be. Uh, and so, uh, and so like I saw a billboard one time, um, that, that had this, this old lady on the billboard and she was playing an organ. She had sort of a net over the top of her, over her <laughs> eyes. She had on too yeah. much makeup and things. Uh-huh. And it had the name of a church on it. And it said, this ain't your grandma's church. Mm. And I, I was thinking, What's wrong with my grandma? Like, I mean, she, right, she right. loves Jesus, and right, like yeah, that, that that church really formed her. And so, I think sometimes instead of instead of saying we can make this anything we want, and 
And and if we jump directly into the missiology, uh, in other words, sort of our methodology of missiology, if mission, missiology is the study of mission, our methodology of that, how do we go about doing it without first asking the questions of what what are we planting? What uh, What is the definition of church? The, the ancient creeds say that the church is one holy Catholic and apostolic, Catholic little c, right. not yeah, Roman common Catholic, Catholic, but right. little c being yeah, right, universal, um, that the Reformers said that the church was, the definition of church is a faithful congregation of people where the pure word of God is preached and the sacraments are duly administered. What, what, are, those, what are those definitions of church that we need to, that we need to come together to to say um, this this is what every church should be that's our ecclesiology our understanding mm-hmm. of the church and I think and this goes against a lot of what uh, what many modern missiologists who who I respect and read their books and, and love them as brothers in Christ but um, but this goes against what many of them are teaching where they would say what we need first is a missiology and then move mm. into our ecclesiology so in other words we start with we start with what's working in mission and make the church be that. Mm, I think mm-hmm. it's the opposite. I think right. we need to start with what is the essential nature of the church um, and then say, it, we trust the Lord. If this is what he said the church is, and this is his mission, then the church that he says is the pure church um, should be effective in the work of mission. That just makes logical sense. And so we need to start with our ecclesiology that then leads into Okay, if this is who we are, what should we be about and what should we be doing, which is our missiology. So so ecclesiology into missiology. And then I think that turns us around to engaging in the work of the church and our mission actually then helps us to see, oh, that's why we are what we are. And it's more of a mm-hmm. it's kind of a helix of ecclesiology to missiology that that better understand our ecclesiology and we become a, a healthier, fuller church. And so so if we start church planting in this way, to be able to say, yes, we need to speak the proper language of our culture, but we're bringing a timeless truth to a changing culture, uh, and how do, how do we do that well? And so I, I think that's a, that's a different way than, than church planting in the way that you just described it. That's high marketing um, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of slick stickers and logos and, uh, and, a, and a primary charismatic leader. It's something more with more substance. It might take a little longer to plant uh, it, uh, and it might be need to be engaged in in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think this is what this is what creates those those long lasting healthy churches that we want to see. You know, it's interesting as you were talking about we we use the term church planting all the time, and yet I think people don't realize that we sometimes think not church planting but church microwaving. You know, where if we just mm. get all the ingredients and throw it in a burner and put it on for five minutes, we're going to have success. And yet, I mean, mm-hmm. not to oversimplify what you just shared, Dr. Dan Elger, but, uh, you know, take 50 hours of instruction and put it into 50 seconds worth of commentary. But really, mm-hmm. it kind of, it's the definition of which offense is working great for a team or, gentlemen, this is a football. You know, I mean, getting down to the basics mm-hmm. of right. who we are mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. let we're going to play this game and this is how we're going to do it. I mean, not that the church planning mm-hmm. is a game, but really getting to the mm-hmm. basics, because when you understand uh, the basics, then the other stuff is going to fall into place because you're right. The beauty of the message of the gospel is that it is eternal. And so it's it's timely. I mean, at the same time, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be uh, mm-hmm. amended and it doesn't have to be changed for the modern era. Uh, Dr. Dan Alger, mm-hmm. the uh, 
Minister of Church Planting, uh, currently serving as the canon of church planting for the Anglican Church here in North America, author of the brand new book, Word and Sacrament, Ancient Traditions for Modern Church Planting. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. 60 seconds left in our time together, Dan. Uh, what encouragement do you have for the person? And I'll throw out a couple of different scenarios, pick any one that you want to go with, but someone who's in a church situation right now and saying, gosh, there's got to be a better way to do this. Or someone who says, I really feel called to lead a church, not because I'm part of what is a burning building and I got to get out of here, but rather I just feel the call of Christ to to plant a church. Um, what encouragement do you have for that person who's kind of sensing that stirring of the Holy Spirit in their hearts right now? Yeah, I would say, first of all, cultivate a love for Jesus, a love for his church, and ask that the Lord will stir in your heart his love for the lost, um, for those who mm. don't know him. Uh, and that that's, it's those things that, that come together to be able to to plant a church. And then what I would encourage any church planter of any tradition is don't rush into it. Make sure that you do the proper preparation. Go through church planter assessments. Go through church planter training. Make sure you have a coach in this process. And don't don't try to engage in this uh, in this alone. Have people who can help you explore your motivations as to why you are doing this. If you if you're going into church planning because you are you see shiny, sexy churches with big name pastors who planted those churches and have a book deal and uh, and <laughs> you want to yeah. be one of them, right? Don't don't plant a church. You, you have to plant church for the for the right reason. And the vast majority of planters will not be remembered by history, but we will be remembered by Jesus. And mm. and so we need to start with, as I said before, submission, but humility in the work of planting and to, and to enter into it knowing that we want to do this in a healthy way uh, and with preparation. So talk to the pastors of your church. Talk to your denominational leaders. You can talk to us. We Our church planting initiative is always forward, always-forward.com. And we do church planter training and such as well um, to help people start this work well and uh, and flourish in the process. So that, as we always say to our church planters, if there's one thing we want you to know is that when you go out to do this work, you are not alone. You're not alone Amen. when you're doing this. And so uh, I just encourage anyone who's going to go plant a church, don't do it alone. Do it uh, as part of the greater church in whatever tradition you're in. Excellent word of advice there from Dr. Dan Alger. Word and Sacrament, Ancient Traditions for a Modern Church Planting. It's a great book that's up at thebottomlineshow.com. And, and even if you're not of the Anglican perspective, this is where, Todd's, uh, for, where Dan's coming from, but it will uh, encourage you to uh, to get into a better understanding of the why, the what, and the how of this task that God has called you to. The link for the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dan Alger, thanks for the time today. Thanks for the book. And thanks for being with us here on The Bottom Line. Thanks, Roger. I really appreciate it. And uh, and I will say one last thing, that, that this book is written not only for Anglicans. In every chapter, we have a section that is written to non-Anglican readers to learn how to apply the things that we're talking about in here to their traditions as Excellent. well. So I do hope that this is a blessing for all of your listeners. What a fascinating conversation. And today here on The Bottom Line, I know this isn't typically our usual Everyone Wednesday Fair, but man, I'll tell you, if you are in a church that just started out and you're wanting to make sure your church is on the right path, this book will be a huge help. If you are part of a church and the church has kind of fallen apart and you're going, wait a minute, I don't know, what what did we get wrong? This book will be a huge help. Um, our Everyone Wednesday offering today is Dan Elcher's book, Word and Sacrament, Ancient Traditions for Modern Church Planning. I know it's a little eggheady today, but we've got two copies of this book to give away. And I recommend if you're part of a church, maybe you're part of a church that's going and growing strong. 
And your pastor could use a little bit of encouragement. Trust me, if your church is going and growing strong, your pastor needs an encouragement that it will continue to go and grow strong. Um, Dr. Dan Alger uh, talks about this in the book, Word and Sacrament, Ancient Traditions for Modern Church Planning. Uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And here on Everyone Wednesday, we also have fantastic other resources uh, that we're giving away as well, including uh, calendars from Charles Stanley, resources from Dr. David Jeremiah, and others. So everybody who calls the program today is going to win something. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC listeners, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. We've got uh, uh, Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, what is medical sharing and medical payment program in your insurance plan and why is it being taken advantage of by everybody but the people who are paying for it stephanie cover of cover law is going to join me on the other side of this break to talk about that that's all coming up next as the bottom line continues welcome back to this everyone wednesday edition of the bottom line show i'm roger marsh 800-227-5278 that is the number to get you through to the bottom line and of course uh, every wednesday we give away stuff we give away lots of free stuff, and uh, I'm so grateful that we do give away a lot of free stuff because well, it's just kind of fun. I mean, it really is honestly fun to uh, be, have, be in the situation where we can share with you uh, the things that we're giving away. Uh, for example, Dr. David Jeremiah has a devotional he puts out every month, and um, we, the, we've got 10 copies of it giving away. Faith and Focus is the name of the devotional magazine. We get one every month. We always get 10 copies of them every month. And you may be, not know that you have the opportunity on every one Wednesday to call in and win one. So Crystal's waiting for your call at 800-227-5278. If you're a big fan of uh, Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah, we've got 10 copies of his magazine and devotional called Faith and Focus that we're giving away today on Everyone Wednesday, 800-227-5278. Also giving away uh, the book that was the subject of conversation in my discussion with Dr. Dan Alger on uh, how to plant a church in such a way that the church is going to actually succeed. His book is called Word and Sacrament, and it's Ancient Traditions for Modern Church Planning. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Of course, there are always a a pile of uh, Charles Stanley calendars. I always chuckle because he's so popular. Uh, We love this man uh, in life here, and of course, now he's with the Lord. But the In Touch program is so popular, it airs twice a day, and they renew years in advance to to be on K-Bright. But there's such a great local Southern California connection, and of course, he's beloved all throughout the Crawford Media chain. And uh, we've got calendars of Dr. Stanley's. And, you know, the beautiful thing about them is, yes, these are 2023 calendars. And so because they are 2023 calendars and, you know, t- tomorrow's June 1st, we, we, we could read the calendar. Uh, but, you know, the beautiful thing about that is um, the fact that there are there's Bible verses and quotes from Dr. Stanley. And they're nice memorial gifts now, too. So uh, if you want to call in either for the book or the uh, devotional magazines or the calendars, it's Everyone Wednesday, and let's keep Crystal nice and busy. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through uh, to the bottom line. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when, when things that are done as a gesture of niceness, you know, I, I don't know if that's even a word or a way of putting it, Oftentimes, there are, there are things that, that are done 
literally to be kind and polite to people. But you have to ask the question, is that safe? Now, I remember being a boy and going to baseball games. And, I mean, that's a whole different conversation with the stuff that's going on at Dodger Stadium and with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. As a matter of fact, if you want to hear more on that, that was the topic of discussion in the second half hour of our podcast this morning for National Crawford Roundtable. If you already subscribed to that, by the way, and thank you for doing that, because when you subscribe, then you can automatically download. A lot of people will go and they'll click on My Hope Now or wherever, and they'll watch it or they'll listen to it, and they won't subscribe and download it. And it's, you could get it. Just have it right on your mobile device if you want to. And it also helps us know how many people are listening, and, and that's a, it's, a, it's a win-win for sure. First um, half hour of the uh, podcast that was recorded uh, earlier today, we dove into the debt deal. Is it a good deal? Is it not a good deal? I kind of came out as the one guy saying, hey, guys, I think it's pretty good. Everyone else thinks it's a disaster. <laughs> but you can hear how we have unpulled that in the first half hour, which will be airing tomorrow at this time on uh, the network here for the Bottom Line Show. But then the second half hour, we talked about the whole debacle at Dodger Stadium and with the Dodgers and the sisters of whoever they are. And, um, you know, there are things that, you know, the take me out to the ball game used to be kind of a fun thing to do but you used to go i mean to the game you paid your couple of bucks you bought a hot dog and a soda and got some peanuts and cracker jack and you watched the game and then you went home maybe you bought some memorabilia and that was it now it's way more interactive and um interactive to the point where there's message boards and signs and ads and music's pumping and, and even to the point where well, it got carried away. I mean, I remember if you caught a baseball at a game growing up, that was a really big deal because it was so rare. My buddies, the Medoc brothers and I were at an Angels game one time. Angels against the Yankees. And Ron Swoboda, who made that spectacular catch for the Mets in 69, he was playing right field. That kind of right-handed throwing guy. So his gloves on his left hand, he goes diving into the gap in right center and slides just full extension makes this leaping catch it was fantastic well a couple of years later the Mets didn't need him anymore so he's playing for the Yankees he was the second guy up to bat or first guy up to bat people are still settling into their seats there's maybe 8,000 people at the big A and he catches a curve or a slider or something like that and fouls it off well we were sitting on the first base side we always did and we were in the third deck that's where the cheapest seats were and the ball came up into the stands and I was sitting to the right of my friend Mike, and the ball came right in between us. I mean, literally, it landed right in between us. No one else around. It didn't bounce 100 places and go. It literally, we're probably 11, 12 years old. And we both looked at it, and we went, oh, my gosh, there's a baseball. Well, Mike got it first, and he got went home that night and found a Ron Swoboda baseball card. that he put it up, had a little you know shrine thing up on his desk at home. He then tried to fake Ron's autograph on the ball, and that was kind of the end of it. But it was the first time I'd ever seen a real Major League Baseball. Well, nowadays, in baseball games, you know, someone catches a home run, foul ball, it's big business, right? Somebody caught Aaron Judge's 60-second home run, and they, well, I'm going to hold on to this because it's going to be worth a lot of money to me. But now at the end of every inning, it seems like, the guy who catches the ball in the outfield will catch the ball and then toss it into the stands. Well, uh Let's, there's a lawsuit that's been filed against the Angels by a guy uh, by the name of David Melmerstein, or Mermelstein, excuse me. Uh, David, his father, Mel's was a Holocaust survivor, dedicated his life to fighting Holocaust denial, and legally was able to prove it was happened, had recently passed away. 
Uh, David Mermelstein himself had been diagnosed with brain cancer. He was just going through a really rough patch. So some of his friends said, hey, you know what? Let's just take your mind off of all this stuff for a few hours. Let's go to the Angel Game. So on June 22nd, 2022, they went to the Angel Game. During the top of the third inning, former Angels outfielder Juan Lagares, who's no longer with the team, of course, um, caught the ball for the third out. And uh, he went, it was top of the sixth inning, catches the ball, and he's running into the stands. Outfield bleachers is where Mermelstein and his friends were sitting. And Mermelstein was looking down, eating some peanuts, not really paying attention. Well, he heard the crowd roaring. Mermelstein looked up. It turned out that Juan Lagares had taken the ball and thrown it into the stands. Here you go. You know, uh, it's a souvenir, right? Well, basically, you often wonder, how hard does the guy who throws the ball into the stands throw the ball? I always thought they just kind of lobbed it. Apparently, Juan Lagares threw the ball so hard, it hit David Mermelstein square in the eye. He got hit basically on the left side of his face. He was immediately taken to UCI Medical Center for emergency surgery. And as a result, he was permanently blinded in his left eye and according to his attorney now, was disfigured. Apparently, the left eye was the better of the two for him. And so now he, he faces the point of, uh, he, he could eventually go blind. The lawsuit basically says that Lagares had the obligation here. He was giving out a souvenir baseball, and he should have done so reasonably and safely, either by handing the ball or gently tossing it to the fan. Instead, he threw it so hard, the lawsuit says, that it hit this guy in the head, and now he runs the risk of being permanently blind. Now, this lawsuit files has been filed with the uh, mindfulness of a previous lawsuit also filed against the Angels, where there was a wild throw from a pitcher prior to a 2019 home game, and a boy was struck in the head, and uh, the lawsuit was settled for an undisclosed sum. Now, it's interesting because Major League Baseball, on their tickets, they say, and, and uh, everywhere they see, says, look, anybody who comes to the game assumes the risk of being struck by a bat or a ball. The injury here... Uh, was sustained in a play where you should not have expected a flying bat because the ball was in play or a home run comes up and everyone dives for it. This was the player threw the ball into the stands. So we will keep you posted on what happens. But one thing I can tell you for certainty, and I'm, our prayers with the Mermelstein family, is personal injury stuff happens on a regular basis. And it happens in the most unusual ways and you never know when it's going to impact you. And you never know when you're going to need a good attorney. Now, I've been telling you for years about Stephanie Cover with Cover Law. Stephanie with an F, Cover as a cover, 877-214-4935. On the other side of this break, Stephanie's going to join me. And we're going to talk about why it is so important to use a personal injury attorney when the law has been violated, especially in the case of your person being injured. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. 
Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years? After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, a special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show. You hear her every month as we have our little get-together, Stephanie Cover, uh, Cover Law. She's the only personal injury attorney I've ever recommended here on The Bottom Line Show. She's the only personal injury attorney I ever will recommend. Uh, Stephanie with an F, Cover as in cover, 877-214-4935, or just go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover, and you can get to know her online. Stephanie Cover, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you very much for having me, Roger. You know, we talk so often on this program, and I know bottom line listeners have heard you for years now talking about what to do in case of an accident, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I remember it was June of uh, 2018, gosh, five years ago, and I can't believe it, that I called you as a client because I got sideswiped in between my two church campuses where we have, I've told the story before, but I was preaching at one campus. We had a satellite campus with the service times were staggered. So one guy could do both campuses. And as I pulled out of the main campus onto a main uh, uh, section of road in South Orange County, a guy was coming out of, out of another church and he tried to cut across three lanes of traffic, get into a left turn lane and make a U-turn. But the problem was he tried to go through me to get that done and it didn't work. And he wound up totaling my camera. It was kind of, it was kind of an interesting situation, but I, I wound up not needing Stephanie because there was a police officer right across the way. He was a good Christian guy. Everybody played nice. Everybody played by the rules and, and all the paperwork worked out. Stephanie, that is so rare that that happened. Is it? I mean, I know, I'm not saying it just because I was involved in it, but what I just described that never happens, does it, in a case like this? No, the Lord was with you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love the way you put it. But in a, everything that could have gone wrong, from this fact that we had the same insurance company and they could have tried to downplay the claim with both of us so that we wouldn't have gotten full value because we were both already customers, or the fact that there were some witnesses around who could have told a different story than what actually happened. What if the police hadn't been at the coffee bean right across the way, just having a cup of coffee and literally could walk to the accident? I mean, there were so many things that happened right for me but our listeners have to know that when they get involved in an accident, there are so many things that could potentially go wrong in a case without legal representation. Literally, the first call they have to make is to you. Talk about why that timing is so important when it comes to medical or when it comes to auto insurance repair, that, that type of thing. Well, first off, you'll probably get a lot of different information from a lot of different sources, meaning through the insurance company. For example, uh, when you're at the, at the accident scene and the police take the report, they pull the cars to the side, and next thing you know um, that they say, okay, you can keep your car here. If it's drivable, then go home. But if it's not drivable, we have to tow it. And then you'll get someone saying, well, I, I want you to pay my tow bill. And when you actually have property damage coverage that you'll be responsible for a deductible, that can be applied to your deductible so that 
you're not paying that out of pocket and you're not paying it twice for trying to collect it after it's been after the fact. So it's a way of making sure that you're doing the right thing because it's a new situation. You're under stress. You don't understand what really happened. You're trying to do the best thing that you possibly can. And people come up to you and say, this is what you need to do. And most people don't know any different. Right, right. Stephanie Cover with Cover Laws with me today here on The Bottom Line. Personal injury laws are specialty more than 25 years, not only working for insurance companies, but now uh, representing you directly, 877-214-4935. Stephanie, give us an example of some well-meaning advice from somebody who might look like they could actually speak into your case that could actually turn horribly wrong really quickly. I would imagine, I'm sure there are a lot of people either who have worked for insurance companies, maybe they work in law enforcement, or maybe they even work in the medical field. They said, oh, you were in an accident here. Let me give you some advice. Is there an example you can give us of uh, how quickly this can go wrong? Well, there's, I would actually say you need to talk to someone like me first because I hear bad things and wrong things all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for example, this lady's vehicle was at a tow yard, and the insurance carrier wanted to go to the tow yard to look to examine her car and to write her a check and to say goodbye. Mm. And through a friend, she got my name. I started talking to her, and I said, "Your car fell on a gas line, so there's damage underneath your vehicle. You can't see that unless it's it's." You know, on a heist, you need to have someone look at it. You can't look at it from a tow yard. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, this guy said, this is what I have to do. I said, no, you don't. So I end up representing her and her vehicle was a total loss, but they just wanted to pay her a couple hundred dollars and be on their way when it, mm. it, it was a fault. Mm-hmm. So people will come across like they have authority and they want to help you and, um, I really don't understand the thinking other than it's a non-Christian organization and that people want their company to have a profit so that um, whether they have profit sharing or whether they have a job, they want to secure the best for themselves and they really don't put other people first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that example of the car being a total loss or not being a total loss and and how do you value it? That was a a surprise for me in the case that we were discussing earlier, where fortunately I did not have to retain Stephanie. So I'm not uh, speaking out of school or telling anybody, you know, things that that, uh, have some kind of client privilege with them. But when I did find out that my car was, in fact, they tried to repair it when it was going to be a total loss. If they had called it a junker, they would have paid me about 500 bucks. Because it was a total loss, I got a check for $9,000 because of the replacement. And in, in the, that, that was very fair. It was way more than the car was worth. And, you know, it was nice because it was paid for, so I didn't have to worry about it. But it was amazing how that one difference, and that was just one aspect. There was also medical issues that happened. And in my case, it was a worker's comp claim because technically I'm a pastor and a, on staff at the church. I was driving between campuses. There are so many different things that come up that... I didn't think of, and I'm glad that you gave me a little checklist, Stephanie, to ask about. I would imagine, too, when it comes to medical stuff, that, I mean, I was at the doctor's office, The it's happened on a Sunday, I was in the doctor's office the very next day, seeing an actual qualified physician who was doing x-rays, et cetera, et cetera. Talk about why, why you come across so many people, I'm sure, who say, hey, you know what, I'm not hurt that bad, I didn't break any bones, there wasn't any blood or bruising, I'm fine. 
And then six months later, they're having a hard time sitting up and they're saying, calling you up and saying, Stephanie, can you help me? And you're like, well, six months ago, I could have helped you, but I can't really help you much. But that happens. That does happen. Um, people um, think that, oh, I'm, I'm going to be okay. And what they need to do is just, just do a logical assessment. Look at your health. Look at your prior medical conditions. Look at the impact to the vehicle. I mean, is it something that you can't really see or is it, you know, substantial damage? I mean, if there's damage to a vehicle where most of it's made out of steel, then you can imagine what it does to your body. It protects your body, but some cars are not made as well as others. And mm -hmm. some people are don't have the same medical history of other people. So you just have to analyze yourself. Or you can think of, how would I do that if it was a family member? What would mm -hmm. I say to them to give them advice to kind of uh, give a different angle? Because most people say, oh, I'm going to be okay. And then their spouse or family member would say, well, you're not saying these things clearly. Maybe you hit, did you hit your head? Then I start asking, did you hit your head on something? Mm -hmm. You know, then I might find out they had a prior history of a concussion. Mm. I mean, yeah, you just have to kind of, you know, think of if you, if you think you're going to say no, that you don't need treatment, you need to think about how would you think about if that was your spouse or your child or your family right. member. Right. Right. Think about the other people. Stephanie Cover is with me today here on the bottom line. The only personal injury attorney, attorney that I will ever recommend. 877-214-4935. Make sure you have her name and number in your contacts. And you can also go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover, C-O-V-E-R. And you could get the ball rolling there. Stephanie, uh, as we are preparing for the summer months, of course, this is when a lot of people are going to be out and about and they're going to be uh, traveling. And of course, there's going to be an influx, an increase of traffic on the road. Um, people are going to be doing a lot of physical things that maybe they haven't done in a while or not before at all. There's a lot more opportunity for people to slip and fall, get in a car crash, get bit by a dog or whatever. Um, make your best case. You got about 90 seconds here as <laughs> to why it is so important for bottom line listeners to make sure that if anything they even think might be a case that they call you immediately. Don't wait six to nine months and then say, gosh, I wonder if I could still make that claim. Well, most importantly, you have to, when, if, if you are hurt, you know it, you affect more than yourself, you affect everyone in your family. Yes. So you have to make sure that you're of a sound mind, not only your body, as we know, it's the temple of the Holy Spirit, but other people count on you and rely on you. And when people wait, things um, aren't, you can't minimize things like you can do in the beginning. For mm -hmm. example, some people decide, even if they go through treatment, oh, I'm going to forego physical therapy or, or go through part of it. Well, the, the body has certain natural mechanisms as how it operates. And if you skip the treatment, your body doesn't get back to the position that it was prior to the time the incident occurred, which means you're intentionally or unintentionally hurting yourself and everyone around you because you're not the same person. Mm. You're also not, you're also not, you know, the Lord, the Lord's telling you, if you don't feel well, you better go to that doctor. He's not saying don't go. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you need to be obedient. You need to think about what is best for my family. How do I truly feel? If you feel okay, then, then you know that. But if you're questioning it, then there's got to be something there. Why you're questioning it unless you know it and then you need to take care of it. It's the best and, thing for you to do for yourself. Yes, yes. And remembering, of course, that this is not your own body we're talking about. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And there are people who count on you. And this is, uh, it really is an act of stewardship more than anything else to take care of your body. If you've been involved in an accident, if you got bit by a dog, if you slipped and fell at work, you really need to, and of course the car accident, you really owe it to yourself and to the Lord and the people who are counting on you to call Stephanie Cover with Cover Law, 877-214-4935. Stephanie hit with an F, Cover as in cover. Make sure you have her name and number in your contacts because it will be the best decision you ever made to do that now because when the accident happens, you're going to be in a state of shock and you're not going to be thinking completely clearly about everything that needs to get done. Let Stephanie handle that headache for you uh, when you have an accident. Stephanie Cover, always a pleasure. Thank you for the great counsel that you share with our bottom line listeners here on the air when we get together in our conversations. And God's richest blessings to you and Jim and the whole Cover family from all of us here at the bottom line. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Roger. Blessings to your family and to everybody in the radio station and, and those that are affiliated with it. So grateful for Stephanie Cover and the work that she and her husband, Jim, do. Of course, Stephanie is the personal entry law attorney, and Jim does contract law. So that's why you hear Stephanie on the radio all the time. Uh, 877-214-4935. Stephanie with an F. Cover is in cover. Make sure you have her name and number in your contacts today. Some final thoughts on this issue in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else. Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. My thanks again to Stephanie Cover, the only personal injury attorney I will ever recommend here on the Bottom Line Show. Stephanie with an F, Cover is in cover, 877-214-4935, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover, just C-O-V-E-R, or Cover Law if you prefer. You can get the ball rolling, literally, uh, uh, with regard to a personal injury case. You know, a lot of people in the body of Christ have a hard time with the idea of personal injury law because they think, oh, you just want to go to court and you want to sue. But brothers and sisters, look, we are citizens of heaven. We are residents of earth. God gives us the two kingdoms. You know, we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's law is being carried out perfectly. 
everything that some of your left-leaning Christian friends are saying, you know, if we could just let the goodness in our heart, well, well, there is God's natural law written on each of our hearts, so there is goodness written into us in our original DNA, but we live in sinful fallen world, a sinful fallen world, and we have been corrupted by sin as a people. So to just leave it to everyone to kind of be their own, it's kind of like leaving a bunch of toddlers in charge without giving them any kind of direction. So we as Christians live as good godly citizens, but we also understand there are laws here that are designed to keep people who aren't good godly people from killing each other. And that's why having a good Christian a personal injury attorney on your case, who is a woman of prayer, a woman of Bible study, a woman of conviction, who's reading the signs of the times just like anybody else is, waiting for the Lord's return in your corner for a personal injury case means that she could speak, speak both languages. She speaks the temporal law of the culture to the culture, but she speaks the eternal law of God's love and justice to everyone she comes in contact with. May we follow that same example, use a person like Stephanie Cover's example in her business world to also play out in the spiritual world. That is good news, and that's the bottom line.